1: Notre Dame fans, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Mailbag. It is Friday, so y'all know what that means. It is Friday, free for all mailbag time. But we do got a couple things we got to discuss here right away. To begin, I need a favor from you all who are watching either live or on a re- recorded a situation. We are aware that there have been some some of you have been having buffering issues the last Ooh. about week or two, and it's kind of a new thing. It's something that we are aware of. We're trying to work with YouTube. I can't replicate the problem. They can't replicate the problem. So if you are having that problem, if it is at all possible that you screen record a section where that's happening and then send that to me, that is what YouTube has asked for. I will get that to them. You can email me at brian at irishbreakdown.com. We are trying to get it fixed. But again, it's not something that's on our end. It's on the YouTube end. And we're trying to get it fixed. So that's how you can help us. If you're having that problem, please let us know and send that to me at brian at irishbreakdown.com. Also, some breaking news we'll discuss. I'm sure there's going to be questions about it. Notre Dame just uh, had a decommitment from the 2023 class, Cedric Irvin Jr. So, Vince, I want to talk about that. I mean, I know there's going to be questions about it. So let's just kind of kick the show off with it, right? Smart. This is not an overly surprising thing. If you all are paying attention to what Notre Dame is doing on the recruiting trail, they have continued to recruit running backs and a lot of running backs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Cedric Irvin is a quality player. He was, for me, I believe my lowest ranked uh, offensive recruit in the class. I'm going to have to go back and and look at my numbers. He's a quality player. You know, I think Cedric was in a situation where he was going to be able to kind of have a jump this year uh, as he – you know, as he kind of got to a new school and was going to be used more, he's a quality back, but he's he's not a, you know, a big time back in, in my opinion. So, you know, I, I think that it's a situation, Vince, where they realize that they can and needed to continue to recruit even better backs or better, you know, at that position. And there are some guys that became he is my he was my number five out of five commits, uh, by the way. Uh, there were other guys that they liked. So they continue to recruit Jalen Lamar, Jaden Lamar, and then he's going to commit on May 26th to Notre Dame, Oregon, Michigan, or I'm trying to remember who the fourth one is for him. But so by new Notre Dame, Michigan, Oregon are in that conversation for Jaden Lamar, Arizona is the, is the four school for him. And they're continuing to recruit Jeremiah love who is going to be on campus for an official visit in June. And they're going to be hosting five-star Richard young uh, for an official visit. Now, do we think they're going to get Richard Young? No. At this point in time, however, is I, what have I always said? If a kid's willing to make take a visit, especially an official visit, you got a puncher's chance. But we don't expect that to happen. But what Notre Dame was doing was they were going to recruit Jade Lamar as a running back and they were going to recruit Jeremiah Love as an athlete, but maybe give him a shot at running back. And, and, I, and I believe that Cedric, who's been a very loyal commit in this class, I mean, he has not he was not, he has not like taken other visits. He's been a good kid, right. he's done everything right. right. There, yeah, I got, I mean, great respect for the kid. And I'll be pulling for Cedric Irvin Jr. wherever he goes, as long as it's not Michigan. Uh, but uh, I, I kid, I'll be pulling for him wherever he goes. It just was a thing where, but Notre Dame's got to recruit the best that they can get. And there was just a lot of guys on the board that were better than him. And yeah. he was, he committed to the previous offensive staff obviously and And that's something
2: to consider too. that
1: has to be factored in as well and and so I I I would imagine that that he had a conversation with Notre Dame and Notre Dame let him kind of know yes you're committed we honor your commitment I don't believe they would have forced him out I don't believe but I think they would have also been honest with him about yeah we're gonna we're gonna take a couple more backs because what we have been what we have said Ryan and I have reported all along is if they can get Jay Lamar and Jeremiah Love they're taking both of them It reminds me a lot of what happened last year with Jack Nickel, if you remember correctly, where they took Jack Nickel way too early at tight end. And there just was better tight ends on the board. And so they kept pushing for Holden Stace and Eli Raritan. And they told Jack Nickel, yeah, we're taking both of them if we can. And I think Jack Nickel saw the writing on the wall. And I believe that's what's happening here with Cedric Garvin Jr. So he's a quality back. You know, I graded him out as a four star player, a top 300 caliber kid. I think that's the range he is in, sort of like 275 to 325. But I gave him a four-star upside grade because I don't see a huge, huge ceiling for him to get a lot better. I think his ranking will improve if he gets used more. I think he's a quality back. I think he's a kid that there's going to be a lot of power five schools are going to like this young man. As I said, I think he's done everything right, Vince, from what I can tell. From what I know, I, I think he's done everything right. But at the same time, Notre Dame has to continue to make sure that they're bringing in the best possible players they can get. And there's a gap between him and Jane Lamar. And then there's a gap between Jane Lamar and Jeremiah Love, in my opinion. And Jeremiah Love grades out even higher than Jane Lamar. Jane Lamar grades out higher than Cedric Irvin Jr. And the concern I always had is, you know, you're taking Irvin and and, and Lamar. They're very similar players. And I, and I never quite understood why you'd take both. I would have preferred Jane Lamar. But with Cedric Irvin already in the class, it just didn't make a lot of sense when there was better backs on the board, especially Jeremiah Love, who... Is a different kind of back, so now you p- have a potential to still get a two back class, but it's two better backs and two different backs. Now they got to close on both of those guys, yeah. Right? That's the key. I'm not telling you that's not me dropping hints like they're gonna get a commit from Jaden Lamar and Jeremiah Love. I feel really good about where things stand with Jaden Lamar. He's got you know, again, it's a closeout time, he's six days away from making say, his decision. It's less than a week, right? They got to close out. With Jeremiah Love, I think that name's in a good place, but there are other schools that he likes that are pushing hard for him. So that is not a done deal by any stretch of imagination. But I think now it makes it easier for them to pitch, dude, we like your running back. So much so that this is kind of the direction we're going. So I, I think that's kind of the best way I can, 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 um, Can explain kind of how things are going at running back and why this move may have happened. So it's not an overly surprising move. It's not one that I had been told was going to happen. But, you know, the writing had kind of been on the wall for a little bit. So Cedric Irvin Jr. has decommitted from Notre Dame. That's the backstory. And I know we had questions about it. So I just wanted to kind of kick the show off with that and jump right into it.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: My wife is the coffee drink in our house. So when I told her about trying out trade coffee, she was curious. When I told her that if she answered the survey trade sent me, they could match her with brands she would like, she was downright skeptical. We ended up getting three different shipments from three regional coffee makers. And let me tell you, she was blown away. My coffee snob wife loved each and every new blend that she got. As a non-coffee drinker myself, I must admit, opening up the cabinet and getting a whiff of her most recent blend was aromatically pleasing. Trade sells the freshest, roasted, and ethically sourced beans from America's best independent roasters. They ship free to you, and as often as you like, whole or ground. Whether you're a coffee connoisseur like my wife, or just want a better daily cup, Trade's real coffee experts taste test over 400 roasts, and use technology to match you to your ideal coffee based on your preferences and brewing method. Take the coffee quiz to get started. Trade Coffee guarantees you'll love your first bag or they'll replace it for free. And right now for Irish Breakdown listeners, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of 30 off your first order plus shipping when you go to drinktrade.com forward slash Irish. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started when taking their quiz at drinktrade.com forward slash Irish and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com forward slash irish for $30 off. And don't forget, it's Father's Day coming up, and a trade subscription is the perfect gift for the coffee lovers in your life. All right, well, it's Friday,
2: which obviously means it's the mailbag, and that means that John A1 has loaded us up with some questions. No surprise there. Thank John. his first one, out of the gate, when discussing the 22 wide receivers, it was mentioned Notre Dame needed a player with yak skill set yards after catch. Outside of Gallagher, is there any prospect that
1: would bring the yak skill set that Notre Dame needs? Mm. Vince, I think for me, I don't know if there's anybody on the board right now that is a pure receiver that has that ability, like mm-hmm. Gallagher. I think if they were to to get Mike atiz and if he was dead set on playing receiver, he would be the closest thing to that. And obviously right now things are not trending in a good direction for Rodney Gallagher. If you want to know more, get on the message board. We, we, we broke it down with some intel last night. That's all we're going to kind of really say about that right now. Uh, there's a reason we haven't like written a public article about it and things like that. So there's really nobody else that has that on on the table right now. Now, there are some guys that can do things after the catch. I think Braylon James is a good after-the-catch player, but it's a different type of after-the-catch. I think Jaden Greathouse brings some after-the-catch things, but it's a bigger guy, you know, can run through arm tackles and then maybe get in space and make a guy miss. It's different than what Rodney Gallagher does. It's not the same. And, you know, this is why I wanted him to take Xavion Bradshaw last year because it's like you need that kind of guy. I think they made a mistake not taking him last year. And you hope that Rodney Gallagher could overcome that. And it doesn't look like that's going to happen right now. So there isn't that guy on the board. I mean, that that I can think of, Vince, that, that they're in on, like Josh Manning. Josh Manning can do some things after the catch. But it's just a taller, longer speed guy. It's not that elusive, you know, shake you kind of guy, which is, you know, I mean, you can survive without that. But. You know, and and they are recruiting some diversity to position, which I like. It's not as much diversity if they don't get Gallagher because you don't have that kind of jet sweep, bubble screen, tunnel screen type of weapon. But at least they're not just recruiting kind of the same guy over and over. So no, they don't really have that similar guy on the board other than Micah Tease. That 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 would be the only thing for me is if Micah Tease is dead set on being a, res, a, a wide receiver, like, and and you want him. He would be my replacement for that, and I would gladly take that. But I still like him even more on defense. So that would be my my stance on that. But but very very good question, John.
2: Dipping, he knew this was coming. Dipping the toe back into the uh, the Saban rant. He says watching national shows yesterday, they all seem to be against Saban's rant. I personally don't like the messenger, but why does the national sports media work to destroy college
1: football? Because they're because there's a, they're a bunch of um, idiots if I'm gonna be honest with you and they're a bunch of look so much of the media has become clickbait right and and it's the same reason that, that no and no matter what happens they always like take the right. player's side you know and and so they these the same idiots that are that that because their thing is it's cya part of it's cya too because these are the same idiots that have been pushing for the transfer exemption and nil you know without with all these without you know, pressuring the NCAA to the point where the NCAA just said, fine, here, you want it, you got it, which is a dumb move, right? And so now it's like, oh, you know, big bad Saban. He's always winning championships and beating everybody, and he's so mean. I don't like Saban. I, how many, I, I went off on Saban a couple times in the last month. I've railed against the, you know, where he will talk the talk, but then not walk the walk, sure. right? But there's this really silly modern uh, thing where if I don't like the messenger – then I dismiss the message. And that is stupid, ignorant, and anti-intellectual. Okay. Because no matter what I think of Nick Saban, the message is correct. The other part of it too, is, is if they take Saban's side, then they have to then go do their jobs, which is to say, this is going on. Something has to be done about it, but they're not willing to do that because that's not player friendly. And they always want to be on the side of the little guy, which I think is absurd, right? Because sometimes the little guy's wrong. Right. Sometimes the little guy is right. It's about intellectual honesty. But I just don't think there's a lot of that. And I don't think there's a lot of depth. What I have found with a lot of national sports writers, especially like with some of the small, you know, like the, 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 yahoo and there's a guy like that yeah. that I, that works for yahoo eric edelm who i like a lot but there's also a guy that does a lot of college football stuff who i think she's just an idiot and what i think is there are people who aren't good enough to be like political writers so they get shuffed, they shuffled down sports. to sports yeah. and they still want to be that and so they take these really silly dumb stances when they really have no concept of the game and you're seeing ESPN and a lot of these spo- these sports channels, from a TV standpoint, try to get more and more people associated with the game to be on there as talent, which I actually support that. I don't particularly like Booger McFarland. I don't think he's good at his job, but I like former players in those roles. I think Desmond Howard is terrible, but if I were to get rid of him, I would try to replace him with a former player. I think that former – or coach, or coach – I think people that have been in the game provide a unique perspective sure. as long as they can be intellectually honest and not always take the coaches side. Like that's the danger. You get a coach on there. He's always going to defend the coaches. Of course you get a player on there. He's always going to play. Have find someone who's willing to call, you know, call it, you know, balls and strikes. space, Right.
2: Right. Exactly. And
1: so uh, I, 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 we don't have enough of that in writing. We don't right. have enough writers that have any idea of how the college game works. They just put their own particular, you know, personal leanings into every subject as opposed to just reporting the news. I cannot like Nick Saban and I don't like Nick Saban. And I've hammered Nick Saban in this forum, but I can still say, but what he's saying about this topic is a hundred percent correct. In the article I wrote the night that he said that I said, he's, he's, I basically called him a hypocrite without calling him a hypocrite. Because he's saying this, but then he's out there poaching teams, players in the transfer right. portal, which I have the problem with, right. But it doesn't mean that what he's saying isn't wrong. Right. And that's the problem. We don't have enough people with enough intellectual honesty, or maybe they're just not smart enough to understand it. That could be it too. They could just be dumb. I mean, I'm sorry, but I'm just going to say it how I feel that they don't grasp the difference. And I've seen some people that get it. I've seen some people that understand like, Hey, you know, Saban may be a D bag, but he's not wrong on this. Right. And other people just, you know, they want to, they want to play the, they want to jump on the victim. You know, Jimbo's the Vic, Jimbo's not a victim. No, Jimbo's a cheating scumbag and not a good dude. And, and, and you watch the press conference every single time a reporter who was doing their job. Cause there are some, right? Like I just, what I, the rant I just went on, I painted with a really broad brush. That's not, that that's not right. And I don't mean it like that. I'm more referring to the people that are, that are doing what John said. There are some people out there that do their jobs extremely well. There's never a case where everybody is good or bad. Right. But there's a lot of people that are taking this stance that I, that I just don't think are good at their jobs. They're not being intellectually honest. Some of them, I just, you know, just have a different opinion and that's okay. But I, you know, I think a lot of them are just not good at what they do and are dishonest. But, the thing with Jimbo is when there was a reporter who kept trying to push about the collectives and Jimbo just dismissed him. Ah, I don't know anything about that. I don't know anything about that. You know, move on, right? When he was asked about should the NCA look into Sabin, Jimbo didn't go there. He wasn't going to go there. Why? Because he knows if they go after Saban in that regard, then Sabin's going to turn them right back to, to, to College Station and Jimbo doesn't want that. He wanted his moment of woe is me – Poor picked on Jimbo, yeah. and, and people fed right into it. I thought he acted like a petulant child, right? Nick Saban did not say they cheated. He said they bought every player. He was being hyperbolic, but the fact of the matter is they did. And now he says, well, we didn't cheat. We didn't cheat. We didn't. He didn't say you were cheating. He said you bought your players, right, which you have admitted in the past you're basically doing until you realize people didn't like it. And then you're like, no, I don't know. We didn't do anything. We just working out, working out, right? Work Shut up, Jimbo. You're a liar and a fraud. You ruined Florida State. And now you're you're getting all this hype for going eight and four every year. And that's what I loved about that Joey Molinaro thing I yesterday. It's like, that's hey, not going to work. For and right. back. Congrats, you know. So uh, I, I don't get it. I, I dislike Nick Saban in a lot of ways. Yeah, exactly. I think he's a hypocrite right. in a lot of ways. But again, I don't have to like the messenger to understand and and, and accept that the message that's coming out of his mouth is correct. And that's the biggest problem for me is there's so many of the responses on Twitter. They don't actually embrace what Saban said and argue against it, how he's wrong. There's one guy that did, and I didn't agree with that guy. But I engaged with him because he was at least coming at me with a point of view that he was trying to defend. And I respect that. I, right. I respect him, on. I didn't agree with him. But so many of the people I just ignore because they're like, oh, well, Sabin's doing this. Like, what, will be in the third grade? You know, well, he started it. You know, like, give me a break. So, you know, to me, it's – I dislike Nick Saban, but I, I also know that what Nick Saban is saying is truth and is accurate. And and here's the thing. People are like, oh, he's just upset because Texas a and beating him. No, he's not. They finished with the number two class. What Nick Saban said very clearly is – we're not doing this right now, but if it doesn't stop, we, we will.
2: Win- yeah. He's like, we will do it. I mean,
1: and that- they'll do it better than everybody else. So Look,
2: you can, you can dislike Nick
1: Saban. And I'm not saying you specifically, but like you, okay. and- I do. I dislike. I mean, All I think right. he's a phenomenal coach, but I dislike it. I think he's right. I think he's someone who says, who says one thing, but then goes out and does the other. And right. he's, as long as he's been doing this, he's not that stupid that kids are going in the portal and that day being telling Alabama they're coming and he, you can't tell me that he's doing that. And I just, I just thought it took us 20 minutes to convince this kid to come. He's full of crap. Right. Again, it doesn't mean that what he's saying isn't true.
2: And I will also say that, you know, he has been as successful as he has been as a coach because he's generally on the cutting edge of coaching. Right. I mean, he, he completely changed his offense after 2012, you know, and, and because he saw the writing on the wall on college football. He knows how to coach. There, there's no two ways about it. And he'll be on the cutting edge of the NIL stuff if that's what it takes to compete at the highest level of college football. And he's pointing out that, like, look, if this doesn't change, then we're going to do it too. And that, just letting you guys know, we're, we're going to be diving into this pool too. But it, it's not right. But if that's what it takes, then that's what we're going to do. And I don't want to say I respect him, but I respect the message.
1: I do. He's being open about it. He's being right. open about it. Right. And, and anyway, so that, that's my, and we talked a lot about this yesterday. We need to keep talking yeah. about it, but yeah, I, I just, I find so much of what we find in the national media to be just lazy and group think that's the other part. And, and, and Antoine, uh, our, our resident Michigan fan made a comment about this too, is like, you know, look, there's the reality is if you take the wrong stance on something, you could get shunned. I mean, you could get kind of, you know, left out of the parties and, you know, not take that popular stance. And there's a lot of people that don't like people not liking them. Right. I personally don't understand that. I mean, I obviously I've taken a lot of stances that have gotten me shunned from many of the Notre Dame beat in recent years. I don't care. Cause I don't write for them. I write for fans and I want to yeah. give them the honest truth. And sadly, there just aren't enough people that do that, you know, and, and there's some, there's always some, but there just aren't enough. And so there's a lot of people that just, okay, well, what's, what's everybody. I mean, Okay, that's where everybody's going. So let me go that direction too. Let me pile on. And I'm not surprised at all that most people are taking Jimbo Fisher's side. it's It's not surprising at all. It's what I I would have been more surprised if they didn't. It's just because that's the nature of what the sports media has become in so many different ways.
2: well, john a one is is bringing the heat, and i'm I, I think this is a fun one to kind of toss around a little bit. Kind of flying under the radar because of the Saban and blah, 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 is this conference stuff. So he says, it seems conferences are deciding not to have divisions to free up scheduling. Will this increase the quality of non-conference games? And will it make it easier for Notre Dame uh, to schedule opponents within two to four years versus uh 10 years down the road, with the exception of 21
1: Florida State, to meet the intent of quality of opponent? Hmm. <sighs> So basically John what it looks like teams are looking into doing is getting rid of divisions and going to more of a pod scheduling. So like the ACC what is it it's like 355 five, right? Like there's three rivals that they're going to play right. and then there's two other groups of 5 that they'll it's play five or something like right. that. Yeah. My hope is if you do it right it I think it makes the conference scheduling better. Because you know we we've talked about this, how infrequently that Alabama and and Georgia play each other in the regular season, and I, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna pull it up now because it, it's actually kind of it's kind of pathetic if we're being if we're being honest about it. And I'm, I'm gonna pull this up now. So now they've played they've played each other a decent amount. Like when you look at um, you know postseason, you know, but if you go back and look at the Look at the uh this Winsipedia thing is actually really helpful when it doesn't have all those pop-up ads. The (laughs) last time that they played, so they played in Tuscaloosa in 2020. So that was that was that was last year, right? 2020. And Alabama won 41 to 21. And then the rest of the games, SEC Championship in 2018, college football playoff of 2018. The last time they played in a regular season game before that was 2015. And then they played in the 2012 SEC title game, and then the last time they played a game was in 2008. Wow! So from 2021 to 2008, Alabama and Georgia have played each other three times in, 14, in the regular season. Yeah, Fourteen years, right? Right. And, and so it's like, how is that? How is that possible? Right. And so, I just I don't I don't like it. I I don't think it. I think it's bad for conferences. We've talked about how infrequently Ohio State plays Iowa right you know and 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 things like that and so if they're willing to kind of the the point behind it they say is that it's going to create more teams are going to start playing each other more right right and now there are some teams are going to play each other less so you're you know Ohio State's not going to play necessarily if they if the Big Ten were to do it right it would mean Ohio State's not going to play Michigan State Maybe every year, unless they're part of that, you know, that that right rivalry, part of that perfect protected, you know, you know, they'll always play Michigan kind of thing, Mm -hmm. and they'll you know have two or three of those. I'm good.
2: Always play each other, right?
1: Like North Carolina should always play Duke. They should always play NC State, right? Right. Have those, right? But then you know mix up who you play in the other division. So I I like the idea of it. I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it impacts the non-conference schedule a ton because as long as they're still playing eight to nine conference games, I don't think it impacts the conference schedule, the non-conference schedule at all. What I'm curious about, however, is I think to John's point is I'm curious how far down the road, they're going to make these schedules Mm -hmm. you know, how, how to, depending on what the format is. Right. And so, you know, does that get make, make teams more susceptible to say, Hey, look, you know, this is what our schedule is going to look like. We may need to, we may need to jump on and, and schedule somebody tough because looking at our schedule in four years, you know, <laughs> barring things changing, it may not be good enough for us to get to the college football playoff, or it's going to be super hard. So let's, you know, I, I'm curious how that's going to be. I don't have an answer to that, John. I don't think it's going to, I don't, I don't think it's going to, you know, just on the surface, I don't think it's going to necessarily have an impact on Notre Dame's ability to, to, to schedule non-conferences or, or teams, overall changing their non-conference approach. I think the only thing that could really change and force teams to play more good teams is the college football playoff committee. I think that's the only entity that could really encourage teams to play tougher schedules, you know, put a two loss team in there that played a really tough non-conference schedule and maybe lost a close game. You know, I, I, you know, here's an example, you know, let's say Ohio state plays Notre Dame and loses by a field goal late and then it, let me let me pull up their 2022 schedule here real quick just so i can kind of make this point um, you know so so let's say Notre Dame goes 11 and 1 or runs the table and Notre Dame's a top 3 seed Notre Dame's a 2 seed or a 1 seed right let's say Notre Dame's really good this year and let's say well, they beat Ohio State by a field goal and then you look down at Ohio State's schedule they got to play Wisconsin they've got to play Michigan State they got to play Iowa they got to play at Penn State they got to play Michigan so let's just say that they lose that September 24th game against Wisconsin or they lose at Michigan State on the 8th. And and they go through and they, they, they beat a Michigan. Let's say Michigan's in the top 10. They beat Michigan. Let's say that Penn State's ranked this year and they win at Penn State. They beat Iowa, who's ranked. And, and you're like, man, they had some great wins this year. If they just wouldn't have played Notre Dame in the non-conference, they'd be in the playoff. And I'd like for the committee to sometimes look at that and say, you know what? We're going to take that two lost Ohio State team who challenged themselves out of conference with a playoff caliber team and battled them for four quarters over this 12 and one team from the Pac 12 or the ACC who played a bunch of nobodies out of conference, right? Or Big 12 or whatever that played a bunch of nobodies out of conference because it's better for the game when teams push themselves out of conference. Agreed. And so I would like to see that. I would I would like to see the committee do that. As long as again, there's not like a bad blowout. It's you don't take a, a eleven and two Ohio State over the 12, a t- a t- 11 and one Notre Dame team that beat them at their place. But you get the point that I'm making, right? Like I would like to see them reward the team that played the tougher schedule because sometimes you can have two losses and be better than a team that has one because right. that team that had one didn't play anybody. To the point you were making about Marshall yesterday, Vince. I think this is where you're coming from. Like, I'm talking about they're a bowl team. You didn't play a Power Five team. Well, yeah. If they played in the in the in the ACC, they're like two and ten, right? Right. I mean, I I, I think that's a, a point. A good point. My my point, however, is is that in that regard, it's a different conversation. When we're talking about the best of the best, though. I think sometimes you can have an 11 and 2 record and another team has a 12 and 1 record and you can look at that and say that 11 and 2 team is the better team and had better wins.
2: Sure. Oh, absolutely. They,
1: but the reason they lost 2 games is because they played Notre Dame whereas this other team and I keep wanting to use Clemson but that's a bad example because Clemson plays Notre Dame as well this year, right? So year. but like some years where Clemson's schedules is really bad and it's like it's not, and, and it's not the ACC, fall, right. You know, right. But you know, maybe you reward a team like Ohio State who plays in a much tougher division, but also play that schedule out of conference. So if Clemson has a loss, let's say Notre, Dame, let's say let's say Ohio State goes eleven and two, loses to Notre Dame by field goal. Let's say they lose to Wisconsin at home, you know, or let's say they lose to Michigan State by a field goal, and there's an injury or something like that. And they go they go um, uh, eleven and two and win the Big Ten, beat Penn State on the road, beat Michigan, you know, pound Michigan, and then win the Big Ten championship. And they, and then Notre Dame plays Clemson and they pound Clemson and Clemson goes 11, 12, you know, 11 and one, 12 and one, because Clemson would then play in a, in a conference championship game. Well, if, if Clemson goes 12 and one Vince this year, you know, there, there's a chance that they went 12 and one without really beating anybody worth a darn. Sure. You know, because the rest of their schedule is uh, their, the rest of their non-conference schedules, Furman, Louisiana tech and South Carolina. Well, if South Carolina is better this year, maybe if they're like, you know, all of a sudden break out in the East. But then the rest is at Georgia Tech, at Wake Forest, home against NC State, at BC, at Florida State, home against Syracuse, home against Louisville, home against Miami. If the ACC has been what it's been, they're not going to have nearly the wins that Ohio State would have, even though Ohio State has two losses. Right. That should be factored in. They have a common loss and that would benefit maybe in Clemson's favor because Clemson lost on the road in a close game. Ohio State lost at home. But then it's got to be about who you beat. Sure. And that's what often gets lost in these conversations. Everybody wants to focus on the losses, but I'm like, yeah, the losses. But that's what we said about Notre Dame last year, Vince. That was the biggest drawback to Notre Dame being a playoff team when we were talking about them compared to other teams was, but who they beat. Right, exactly. So that's the problem. you got to beat somebody. Yep. And so that may be an interesting Not
2: one. Not making it in. I mean, they didn't, they didn't earn it, and they right. need things to fall their way Right, he didn't. Right, they needed
1: Bama to catch a second loss and that kind of thing. And yeah, it's close. Yeah, they
2: were close. but yeah.
1: Yep, no doubt.
2: Oh, we got a super chat here from Charlie Weiss's last belt loop. Thank you very much. Great decision by Irving. The running back room is stacked. Plus, it will add Young and
1: Lamar in theory. It Mm -hmm. would.
2: He would never play. Uh, BD, sorry for your loss. Love you guys.
1: I don't. I don't. I wouldn't dismiss Jaden. I mean, Cedric Irvin as never being able to play. I, I think I get your point, though, right? Yeah. I get your point. I think the point being that you know, there's those guys are just better players. Sure. And I would even say if you just replaced Richard Young with J- Jeremiah Love, it's the same conversation. But I, 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 I mean, I think Cedric Irvin's good enough to where, yeah, he he could he could do some damage. I mean, he he could battle, or if a guy gets injured, he gets his chance to play. I don't want to, I don't want to disrespect him that way, but I also do think it's a smart decision by him. Yeah. And, and, and Cedric, you know, obviously his dad played at Michigan state and he's, he's a good back. Look, this isn't going to be one of those things where it's like, I did commit it So we can really tell you how we feel. We've told you how we feel all along. He's a quality player.
2: that will never, be. And, yeah. You're never gonna be the, the, the PG version or however. Right, he
1: right. He's a quality player, but there's just, there's just better guys on the board. And, you know, I think Cedric needs to go somewhere where to, to, to Charlie Weiss's last belt loops point where he is going to be the guy
2: more of a featured guy. Yeah. Right.
1: and, when you know, if Notre Dame was to get, let's just say, Love and Lamar, and then you get Payne and and um, uh, J- Price last year of those five backs, with all due respect to Cedric Irvin Jr., he's the fifth guy. So could he still get a chance to play? Yeah, but it had been tough. Yeah, right. Now he gets to find a school where they're gonna maybe hold him in a little higher esteem. And I wish more kids would do that. I wish more kids would say, "I can go to Notre Dame and be the sixth receiver." Or I can go to Illinois or Cincinnati and be the number one. Yeah, sure. You know, if if you have aspirations of the NFL, sometimes that can be a positive for you. If you don't think you're an NFL guy, then go to Notre Dame and be number six because you're going to get that degree. exactly, Right? But if you have aspirations of being right. a next-level player, then sometimes it's better to be number one somewhere yeah. else than to be number six or five somewhere About else. About exposure, you right. know? An opportunity. Yeah, opportunity. yeah, Absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. We've got one more super chat okay. that I want to get to you real quick. Uh,
2: Zakolowski, thank you very much. Have found memories of watching. or have fond memories of watching college game day growing up. I can't watch or support ESPN anymore. When
1: will IB have their own game day? Hmm. I don't know if it's going to happen this year. There's some moves I'm working on right now to try to get that started, but we do have an intention of uh, of having a, an Irish Breakdown Game Day. It'd be like what we're thinking is probably like from ten to noon. Yep where we would have different segments. We would bring people on to talk about the Notre Dame game for that day. But then we were thinking about like making the first hour be about Notre Dame and then the second hour being about the, the big games that day. We'll break them down. We'll talk about them. It would be Vents And hopefully we can hi- find a host for that. But uh, we'll, we'll see if if we can make that happen. But we, we definitely want to do it. It's just, as with everything I've done, it's got to be done the right way. Absolutely. And it's got to be the right people. And, and we've got to make sure that we have the ability to do it. And so, you know, of course, Vince is like, if we do it, we're going to be on site. And I'm like, let, let, let's see if we can actually just produce it first from home before we then go on site. But again, but that's the point, though, is we're always thinking of, you know, here's what we're going to start with. But the, the goals are to go here. I hope you all understand that we don't we don't want to just like in 10 years, we don't want to be just doing the same show over again. Right. right. We're trying to expand and do different things. And I think the the Irish breakdown game day is definitely something that we are interested in. We talked about doing it this past year, but it just, there were so many different things going on that it just didn't make sense. It's, it's got to require an expanded staff. And we weren't in a position to have an expanded staff going into last year. Now we are right. And so we're trying to make it happen. So yes, that is, that is in the discussion. I can't promise that it will be a 2022 product, but I'll be shocked if we don't at least have it going by 2023. But I'm Vince knows I'm working. Mm. I've had meetings, I've had interviews, I've done some things this week that hopefully will result in us, you know, expanding our staff. I don't know if that's going to be the case or not. We'll have to find out.
2: And then, and then but, it's a technology issue, you know what I mean? Right. Because we want to do it on the YouTube channel. And so if you do it on site, you got to make sure that you've got cameras right. and all these different things. And so, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And we want to make sure that we are always doing it right. Quality um you know product right for you guys so
1: right. probably we'll start at home if we do it but either way it's but gonna be that fun. would be let's make sure that we get the, the yeah. content down first yeah. and do that kind of stuff then as we master that then we yeah. can say you know what because yep. like, remember college game day didn't originally go on the road it was originally an in-studio thing and then eventually went on the road right. first time was notre dame fuller state 1993 yep. so it would be a thing where it eventually would would grow and i think it'd be a lot of fun and like and it wouldn't be me I would have a segment or two, but I would want it to feature other people. I want it to have, you know, other guests and Vince and a host and other people, you know, bring Ryan on for a segment to talk about the recruits on campus that day. But I would want it to, because that's part of ultimately what I'd like to get to is where I'm not necessarily on every show. Or if (laughs) I am, it's just as a segment, because I want to have different voices, different opinions, different talents on the shows and bringing in outside people. So you, you have to understand we have a lot of things we're planning, but it, these things take time to get there. You have to do it right, and that's kind of where we're at. So I, I do love the idea, and it is something we're, we're working on for sure. There's
2: always the uh, the issue that I already do
1: a pregame show for another right. company, so we have right. to talk about that too. Right. You know, right. Vince is always trying to get more money out of me.
0: Man, I swear this guy.
1: <laughs>
2: Spanky412 has a super chat. Thank you very much. Vince 100% has to sport the headgear each week.
1: I don't know oh, how we would make that happen, but that would be pretty awesome. I'm the corso uh, of this group. Is that what I'm yeah, here? Yeah, pretty much. You're, hey, you're the former coach. You yeah. know, like you know, yeah. That, there's, there's no doubt. There's That's no funny. doubt. That's funny. There's no doubt. I would love to. Ha- I would love to be able to make that happen. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know how we would get all those headpieces, but we'll figure uh, it out.
2: Yeah, that'll be, fun. be a lot of fun and all that stuff. I mean, well, yeah. what it's
1: not going to be, though, is we're not just going to replicate what college game day does. Oh, right. No. Like we're not going to have a celebrity guest picker on, you know, like if we have guests on, we'll get their score prediction for the Notre Dame game. But, you know, we're, we're going to actually have people that, you know, watch games and study and do all that kind of stuff to yeah. be on the show. So, I, I mean, again, we're still working through so it. It's still in you, infancy I, I, phages, But we want the content to be excellent and not a bunch of. Fluff stuff that, right. and, and people that don't know what they're talking about, which is right. what you get a lot of on the current one. But yeah, we're not looking to just replicate that. If anything, if we we're going to follow anybody, it would be more of the the Big Noon Kickoff because I yeah. think that's a much better product in regards to the content. I enjoy now the the p- production isn't as good and all that because Fox is still trying to catch up to ESPN from that standpoint, but the content really good. of the big noon kickoff is way better than the content you got Tom Rinaldi. of game day. So that was a huge move. If yes. you're looking to
2: cry before game day, then, you know, yes. not watching Fox yes. watches. Yes. <laughs> watch
1: but like the game. football analysis, whether you agree or just dis- like, I'll find myself disagreeing with Matt Leonard a lot, but I never find myself saying, what is this guy talking about? I do that Does a lot. even watch that team? Yeah. I don't. I say, okay, I get where he's coming from, but I think this... That's what I love is, yeah. is having difference of opinions. I I I don't I don't. I'll find myself disagreeing with with Brady Quinn or Reggie Bush, but it's a it's a it's a disagreement that you would have with two people that know the game that just are coming from a different point of view. Where I'll watch ESPN and be like, what "Did Stephen talking? A. Smith just talk about this guy like that hasn't played in eight weeks? Like you know, like what does he even watch these teams play? The you know, do no. you get these these ESPN? The, 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 their job is to cover college football, and you're like this guy." clearly doesn't watch college football like i don't know who what, you know what he's watching or what he's doing in his downtime before saturday but this guy did not know who he's talking about right i don't have that with fox that's the difference and that's mm-hmm. what we want our show to be yep. so anyway i got super chat from from my guy mark stewart yeah
2: mark stewart thank you very much for the super chat hey just wanted to send good vibes love the show thanks mark love you too man appreciate it very much uh back is that all the top yeah back to the top okay Uh, This is a fun one from Coach Bent 574. Must be a local yokel. Love it. It Yes. Brian and Vince, who is the best player you've ever coached against? I'm sure your name is going to be bigger than mine, so I'll go first. Um, I, uh, in a sectional championship game, so that's like the the championship of the first round of football in high school, we actually played uh, a team I was coaching, played against Drew Tranquil at uh, Fort Wayne. He's pretty good. It's a pretty good one. We were up on them by four touchdowns, and he pretty much single-handedly brought them back with a couple of pick sixes, and he was playing on both sides of the ball. I've never hated a man so much in my life, and then it, it literally took me about halfway through his Notre Dame career for him to be like, okay, I really like you, Tranquil. Yeah. But, but, yeah, he was – No,
1: your answer is better than mine, I think. I really? I think your Tranquils, but, yeah, because, again, coached against. Okay. Right? I coached at the Division three and 1AA level, so the best player I ever coached against was – I mean, there's. Uh, I actually coached against Matt Campbell, head coach oh. at uh, Iowa State. He was at Mount Union, but Mount Union had some dudes, but like they weren't like NFL dudes. Like they had right. this kid Larry Kennard, who was an Ohio State signee that ended up, you know, going to Mount Union because he couldn't get into there. But let's uh, say Miles Austin is probably the guy that played for the Cowboys for a minute, uh, the receiver from Monmouth. I coached against him when I was at Duquesne. Now, if you were to say who's the best, who best player you ever played against, that's when my answer would be a much bigger name. I was gonna say, I thought you had told me.
2: Bigger names. Like,
1: yeah, Dre Bly, Plexco Burris, Deion Dyer, James Boyd. Yeah, there's some dudes back in the day when I played. But yeah, uh coached against it would be pro- as far as best meaning like names you would recognize, it'd be Miles Austin. I coached against some really good football players, but they just usually weren't NFL guys because they were smaller. Or... sure. There was a there was a receiver. We played Harden Simmons my first year in coaching. Uh, I think his name was Kirk. I think his name was Kirk Rogers, but they were really good. He he spent some time with the Chiefs. So oh, wow. he was a pretty good player, but uh, he wasn't as good at your
2: Uh Coach Bent has another question. He says, who is the last player currently enrolled at school that you had no idea that he would pick Notre Dame or not? This is more of a recruiting question.
1: So. Yeah, as far as like when he made his decision, I'd have to think about that. I mean, more often than not, we kind of know when a guy is going to pick Notre Dame. I think the last time – I mean, I don't know if anyone on the team is someone that I went into a decision not knowing who he was going to pick. I think the last time that I can remember was was Noah Boykin, but he's not at Notre Dame anymore. I'm really trying to remember the last time Notre Dame got a guy that we didn't know he was going to pick Notre Dame. I'm really, I'm really struggling. I'd have to think about that one, Coach Ben. It's a good question. I like the questions where I, you know, I'd have to do a little research, but I mean. I mean, we've guys have committed Notre Dame that we didn't know they were going to commit to Notre Dame like that day. That's happened from time to time, but that's different, I think, than the question. Um, if he would choose Notre Dame or not, I kind of feel like, and for, ironically, the player that did that ended up not signing with Notre Dame, so Morgan Walker. Oh, yeah, but more often than not, you kind of have an idea, especially when it's a rising senior, that he's going to pick Notre Dame. I, I really have to think about that one. Really have to think about that one. Uh, All
2: right. Yes, absolutely. Quinn says, Have you ever seen a player recruited as an athlete where they just couldn't find a spot for him? Jack of all trades, but
1: master of none. Well, you guys should come with the good questions that I don't necessarily have all the answers to. I'm trying to think that that couldn't find a well, I thought I was thought that was going to really be the case for CJ Procise until his last year. Because he he wasn't a safety. He, he was a good receiver, but not a great receiver. He was just more of an athlete. And then he kind of had that breakout year at the end. yeah that's a good one, Quinn. I, I'd i have to think about that one for a second. Vince, can, is there anybody that kind of off the top of your head that you can – I mean, you know, Avery I, Davis was was that for a while. I mean, he was a guy that was like that for a while. that You know, he, he didn't fit at quarterback. He didn't fit at running back. He didn't fit at corner. But eventually, if a guy's that good, he's eventually going to find a home.
2: His name escapes me, and I feel terrible about it, but it's the, the kid who went to Penn who who transferred just recently. Paul Moala? You know, Paul yeah. I felt like he had trouble kind of finding a home because he was kind of a tweener between linebacker and safety. Um, and, again, in northern Indiana, he, I coached against him. He was all world around here. And, and again, it's around here. Yeah. But I just felt like when he got recruited to Notre Dame, he's a great player, and he was obviously in their backyard, so he was making plays. But there was just never really like a home for him because he was either stuck behind somebody mm-hmm. or they started to have like packages for him and then he got hurt. So but I feel be- like he
1: was always kind of a defensive player.
2: Yes. Um, yeah, he was yeah. always a defensive player, but never, I don't know if he ever found really a defensive right. per se. Yeah. You
1: know? I'd have to think about that one. That's a good one, Quinn. I'm going to think about that one. Yeah, as we go through the show, I just got a text from a friend. He reminded me of somebody that, that did commit to Notre Dame. That's currently on the team that I didn't know they were going to commit to Notre Dame at that time, uh, because it was the the Adamioles. Oh, so they committed early. They committed. I think they were still sophomores, but coming into their visit to Notre Dame, Michigan was the perceived leader for them. Now we didn't know that they were going to commit, so it's a little different because there wasn't like a ceremony planned, and that's kind of how I took the question. Is like yeah. there's a ceremony planned day old. of, and the kid announces for yeah. Notre Dame when we thought it was like like Manti. They but have- I will say that when the Twins committed to Notre Dame, I didn't think Notre Dame was in a position to get them at that time because Michigan was considered – because if you remember back then, that was when Chris Partridge was at Michigan, and they were cleaning up in Jersey. I mean, they had gotten Rashawn Gary and Jabril Peppers and Chris Singleton. Like They were cleaning up in Jersey, and they were the perceived leaders for Justin and Jason, and then they visited Notre Dame, and then after that it was history. But that's a good reminder. That That's a good one. That's a really good one there's no doubt. Somebody somebody said this, hire John A1 as an interviewer for IB game day. That's that, that, not a bad idea. It's but, not a bad idea.
2: I want to write that one down.
1: Yeah, Andrew Sakaloski said, I was totally kidding about an IB game day, but now I'm pumped. Uh, <laughs> so, he didn't realize the can of worms that he opened he up. He did not. He did not. See, y'all, y'all have to understand, it's like, I'm not just like, okay, well, we're doing okay, and I got yeah. a recruiting guy, and we got a show, and Everything's good. I'm going to do this for the next 20 years. Uh, right. That's not how my mind works. I'll get burned out and bored so quickly. I'm like, ah, Vince, you can take over. I'd be, I'm going to go climb a mountain or something. Well, it's you know just what I mean? like, I'd get super bored with
2: that. It's just funny how things can occur. And then all of a sudden it gets you thinking about some other things. Mm-hmm. I'll not say like that. Right. I mean, cause that's yeah. kind of what went down. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. You never know.
1: All right. Stone eater, stone eater, stonador is what I guess. That's kind of okay. what I've settled right. in on after pronouncing it like four or five different ways. The first few times he quite he or she asks questions. Okay, uh, so Good. I'm going stonador, stonador. That's the best I come up with.
2: If Notre Dame ever ends up dropping the USC or Navy series, would there be enough reason to justify remaining independent? If Notre Dame joined the ACC, they'd get four out of conference games for rivals and marquee games, plus a chance at a conference championship game i don't think they ever dropped those two series
1: um yeah i think be- that's in reference to what i said yesterday okay yeah like gotcha. i hope they don't drop usc but i would understand it and and i'm actually i think notre dame needs to throw their weight around a little bit more with usc right now when it comes to the scheduling and some of those other things because like i just you know if you're gonna play a team that just blatantly cheats and break the rules and just go play I an sec know. team where you're gonna get more out of beating them you want to prop them up you know right yeah. And so, yeah, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm a little frustrated at USC right now, to be honest with you. But I would just say find a new rival. But I, I still don't think dropping USC means you, you don't, you know, you don't, because like the pro, you, you don't, you go join a conference to go join yeah. the ACC. I don't, I don't think those two things equal because the reality is right now, Notre Dame's, There's teams they have to turn down. There 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 is not like I I think there's this like this misguided notion from some, and I'm not saying that's about Stonador, but I think there's this notion from some around the nation, people that maybe don't don't necessarily follow Notre Dame or like Notre Dame that you know Notre Dame's hurting for opponents. Trust me, Notre Dame is not hurting for opponents. Right. You know, so I don't think they'd have any problem. And, And I would say again, we're gonna have a show on this. Probably next week or two, we're going to kind of go through the perfect schedule. And you know what, we should do, Vince, is during that section, is you know, what would you do if you could, if you could replace no USC? Cause I'm never dropping Navy. Nope. If immediate. you could replace USC, who would you replace it with? Like a team that you're going to schedule. Like, so would you say, okay, re sign up with Stanford and just let that one play? And I'm not going to ask you to answer that now. We'll talk about that when we, when okay, we, play. I like that. You know, like if you could say you, you've got to have two. In order to justify, let's take the premise of this question. And we'll discuss this when we when we do the show. But this is something to be thinking about, Vince is the premise will be if you if you could if you had to have two yearly rivals to justify being independent, mm-hmm. who would your two be if you dropped USC? And that'd be a fun conversation. So uh, you know, I'm think about that. It's huh? It's like a summer show to me. Uh, well, it kind of almost is, I mean, some are not on the calendar, but I mean, you're out of school in a week, so we're going to have some more fun. I'm pumped to see man. more of you.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC.
2: This is actually a great time to bring in Ryan if you're ready to go, Ryan. Sure. All right. I'm bringing him in. Here we go. Ben's question. On a scale of 1 to 10, rank your confidence feeling for the elite guys Notre Dame has locked in for visits. So, scale of 1 to 10. I'll, we'll just go through them. Dante Moore
1: nine yeah okay nine impemba six i'm at a five but i think it could jump with the visit i i think it's i think i think that yeah i think right now the southern schools are really making a good push for him okay Mm -hmm. uh downs six yeah and that's up for me I was at mm-hmm. like a three a couple weeks ago, but <laughs> I was as like I've a- gathered more and more information. I, I'd say I'll probably have still a five. I'm still a little bit skeptical. I still got a little bit of BKT PTSD going on with him. I'm gonna say five, but that's up from a three a week or two ago. So I was probably
4: a t- I was probably a two. Yeah. So I always got a nice one optimistic. up, on me, don't you? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's 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 lower and you. Yeah, no, okay. no,
1: no, I was even lower on him, but now I'm <laughs> even higher on him. I'm totally kidding. Uh I needed a good laugh. All right. but yeah, right. It's trending in the right direction is the point.
4: Good. Good. Young. Go for it. You first, Ryan. Uh, I'm just thinking. Um... I'm at a
1: four. I'll let, well, I'll yeah. let Ryan think. I'm, I'm at a was... four because, look, here's my stance. If you can get a kid on campus, you have a shot. If you can get a kid on campus for an official visit, you have a, a – I mean, you have a legitimate shot. It's just they could f- do a phenomenal job with him and finish third. I mean, it's just, you know, it's, you just, you never know till he's going to get on campus kids never visited before. So it's hard for me to say, I don't know him as well as I knew Braylon James. I don't know. I don't know. You know, he's just a quiet, you know, kid that doesn't do a lot of media stuff. So it's hard to really know right now, the thought of beating Bama for a running back from the South seems like a tough bit for me, but the fact is, is, Two years ago, Notre Dame's not even mentioned. They're not getting a visit. So it's – and Ryan has a great article about this at irishbreakdown.com where he talked about whether they get him or not. This shows this staff's – his him visiting officially shows this staff's ability to to recruit against the big boys and, more importantly, I think, willingness to recruit. So if you haven't read that, it's at irishbreakdown.com. Check it out. It's Ryan's article today on Richard Young. But I'm still at a four. Uh, and if I were to change my grade from a four, I'd i I'd go down, not
4: up. Yeah, yeah. I, I was thinking like a two or a three. I mean, four is probably as high as I would go. It's, you yeah. know, I mean, I, you know, we want to remain optimistic because like you said, getting him on campus is a big step, but right, it's an, and he, and, I've listened to some interviews he's done, Brian, and he hasn't done money, but man, he does really sound like a Notre Dame guy. He yes. really does. He's well-spoken, but yes. I just don't say it. Just and really thoughtful. Don't. Yes. Here's the thing. The reason I'm at a four, not a three, Ryan,
1: is because it's not just a visit. It's an official. And that changes things for me because it just it just does. Now, it doesn't change things where I'm like, they're going to get Richard Young. I'd need to hear a lot more for that. And I won't have that feeling until the visit and we hear feedback from it. But, look, they've put themselves in the game and they've shown that this this staff will go anywhere for any kid and battle any school that's huge
2: because that was that's the case in the past. So because
1: you may miss on Richard Young, but every four years you're going to get that one Richard Young right. type player. Right. That's a that program change. A difference.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
4: Osberry. I'm at like a seven on Jaden Osberry. I feel pretty man, good about I'm it. Sick and tired good. of us
1: being on the same answers, man. Seven, <laughs> seven. Leaning towards an eight, but I need to see how the visit goes. I, I think they've got a really good shot with Jaden Osberry, and that could just be my bias towards him because mm-hmm. I love. I, and it's not because he's from Baton Rouge. This isn't a Brian Kelly thing. I don't care if he was from Portland, Oregon, or you know wherever. I love that kid's film, and I, and I like yeah. him. Like he's just a great kid. So I'm 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 definitely on the Jaden Osbury train as a player.
2: Jason Moore,
4: eight and a half. I feel good I'm about at Jason eight. Moore.
1: Yeah, I I, th- I feel really good about where Notre Dame is, but I I think I think he's a kid who. A visit somewhere else could potentially sway him, but I feel really good about where Notre Dame is right now.
4: All right, Micah Bell, I'd say like a six and a half. I, I think that they're in an okay spot with him. He has a visit coming up, so it could change very drastically. I just I need to see how it how it looks after the visit, though. Personally,
1: I'm at a seven. I feel I feel they're in a really good position there. I think that it, they got a shot to close it out on the visit. He's also another kid where visits could change things, but everything I hear from him. Everything I hear from my sources, Notre Dame's in a pretty good place now. It's about closing, and that's going to be the that's going to be the key.
2: All right, finishing off with the big uglies,
4: uh, jagasaw. I mean, it's a it's a nine for me if it ends today. <laughs> like he's, I mean, he's nine and a half for me. Yeah, just so we're, we're clear, I'll never say a
1: ten unless a kid's committed, right? And even then, like, I, I don't know if I'd say a ten for every kid that's committed to Notre Dame right now. But know. I'll never say an uncommitted kid is a ten unless he's committing tomorrow and I already know the answer. Right. But even then I wouldn't say it because then that kind of gives it away. Right. But I mean, look, I feel really good about Charles Jaguars. I go like nine, nine and a
4: half. I feel good about that.
2: Uh, Monroe Freeling.
4: I'm at a, I'll say eight and a half. I'm going to halves a lot right now. Like I'm, I feel really good, but he's another one that like Brian's kind of stated on a couple guys there's still some visits to take there's still a timeline that he's abiding by, right? So I feel I think Notre Dame's in the lead, but when does it end is my biggest question on my Freeling I'm at a seven because I'm I'm concerned it could he may not make a
1: decision soon and he's one of those kids that if he def, if he commits this summer, I feel like I feel right now that Notre Dame's got a shot a really good shot to get him. If he carries this into the fall, it tells me he's not completely sold on Notre Dame and that will open the door for somebody else. And so I'm at a I'm at a seven. Any other ones that that. you want to comment on, gentlemen? That aren't I I think those are the those are the big boys, right?
4: I mean, we could we could maybe do what about Jaden Greathouse? Greathouse, I feel good about. Um, He'd be an eight or a nine for me. Maybe not nine. I'd say eight. Eight's good. He's an eight for me. Yeah, Yeah, same way. I feel really good. But you know, visits are going to be
1: key. But I feel really good about that one. I do. Jeremiah Love. That's one I'm curious to get your opinion on, Ryan,
4: because you talked to him. I'd say it's a seven. I I feel good about where they are, but also, I mean, the question for a while was, "What would the numbers shake out to?" Right? If it's yeah. a take necessarily for Notre Dame right now, now with the Cedric Irvin Jr. decommitments, I feel like numbers are in your favor a little bit more now. And I mean, and I mean, hope you can they can get sell in the running class. back. I yeah, tell exactly. you, can sell running
1: back now. Exactly. You, can't, you know, yep. whereas before you were athlete and all that other kind of stuff.
4: I'll say seven for now. He's got another visit obviously coming up. I, I feel like Notre Dame can very much close it out if they ha- if they kill the visit, but I, I just want to see it first. So I'll say seven to be tentative, I guess. Here's two I want to ask Ryan about. Number one is Micah
1: Tease. because you 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 had an interesting take in a conversation with me yesterday, and I'm curious. how Yeah,
4: that. I'll, I'll say that he's a six or seven for me right now, which is a little down from where I was. I thought that Notre Dame was probably in the lead if Oklahoma was out of the picture, but I spoke to someone pretty close to Micah yesterday that basically told me that it can go in a lot of different ways and it's very dependent upon these visits that are coming up. So officials are going to be not officials aren't going to be the closeout for Micah Tees, but it's going to be the indicator for me. Like you're going to find a lot out after these official visits. So I, I was feeling a little better before I kind of had the conversation yesterday. Notre Dame is firmly in the conversation. But these official visits are going to be kind of a big indicator of how it's go- how it's going to go. This is the one we have a big difference on. I'm at a five. I just, I just, there's a lot. There's
1: too many. There's too many things for me that tell me this kid really likes Notre Dame, but too many things that tell me that I'm not really sure he sees himself at Notre Dame. And and, and that may sound strange, but it's like Vince, you've been do- you've been doing this a long time. Like there's some kids that like everything about him says Notre Dame, but just for some reason they've convinced right. themselves that no i can't i can't I, you know that that i can't make that move so i hope that i'm wrong on that but right now i'm going to i'm going to five and then the last one for me Ryan, is
4: christian gray four <laughs> i don't yeah. feel good about that one at all i really i'm going to
1: five you know I, I, here's the thing about him is i could see them here's one thing i'm pretty confident in if unless they just load up on other corners if he commits somewhere else and right now if i had to predict i'm with ryan i'd probably predict lsu right now Notre Dame's not backing down from him. They're going to continue to fight. I think the visit for him to Notre Dame could be huge because it's, you know, I just feel like he's a kid that they like. They've been on him a long time. He's a great, he's a, he's a kind of like Micah Teese. He's a Notre Dame kid. One of the most Notre Dame kids in the class. Mom supports Notre Dame from everything I've been told, but she's going to support him picking whatever he wants to do. And mm-hmm. so for me, it, it it comes down to, does he think he's a Notre Dame kid? And if he doesn't figure it out now, can they convince him to do it down the road? Because they're not going to stop recruiting him unless they load up on corner. They're not going to start recruiting him because they really get, they really get, um, you know, the, the, they really like him and they're not mm-hmm. going to give up on him. Here, here's an interesting one along those same lines, Ryan, is Kevin Carter yep. asks, does anyone else kind of get vibes with Christian gray kind of like Amarion Walker? Maybe it's just me, but everything just seems like they're being played. I want to say this. They're not being played. Christian Gray has been very upfront and honest with Notre Dame, the complete opposite of Amorian Walker, number one. Number two, Christian Gray never committed to Notre Dame. So that's the other thing that's completely different. And, you know, I think there's a level of honesty with Christian Gray and his communication with the staff that did not exist with Amorian Walker. And that was our complaint the whole time. Every time we'd reach out to Notre Dame and say, hey, look, Guys, look, here's what's going on. Here's what we're being told. It's like, no, no, no. He he tells us it's all good. And it's like, okay. And then then they, you know, they they did kind of get played a little bit. That's not the case with Christian Gray. Everything we've ever been told about Christian Gray is he has been upfront and honest with the Nurem staff about the schools he likes and where he's leaning and all that kind of stuff. He has a great relationship with the players in the class. They play games together. They they, but he's never told them, I'm definitely coming while he then goes and takes visits they just have a great relationship and so you know I don't I don't view those situations as as the same if anything I'd say Notre Dame would be Michigan in this scenario that if he picks LSU I would never feel comfortable about that commitment as long as Notre Dame stays on him so if anything he's the opposite of Amorian Walker in that I actually feel like Notre Dame is where his heart is, even if his head tells him to go somewhere else. Before that, if that right. makes any sense, I'm not sure if that if that made sense, but that's kind of how I look at it. I, I
4: know I know we got a couple in the chat that want. I I don't know if you want to roll through those real quick, Brian. I, somebody said Rico Flores. If we want to give a yeah
1: yeah that's a yeah, let's go go for that one. I mean, because we're kind of kind of we're kind of going through the board right now of of guys that yeah. are you know that are going
4: to visit. So yeah, what what would yours be for Rico? I guess I'd be at an eight. I, I mean, I feel like they're in a good spot, especially when, in the final three there. I would say, like, I've just been very hesitant of going super high with it just because he hasn't been to campus before, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, what if he goes to campus and he just doesn't see himself there, man? Like, it it could happen very easily. So I'll say eight because they may even be the leader right now, but I think things can change if the visit doesn't go well, obviously.
1: I'm at a six because for what you just said, but I also think that part of the reason he's trending to Notre Dame right now is because I don't think that Ohio state and Georgia are necessarily pushing as hard for him right now because the special Ohio state, if, if yeah. Ohio state called him and said, Hey, dude, you have a spot. We love you. We want you. I think he would pick Ohio state. I agree. And, and Georgia I'm uncertain of, I think, I haven't been told if I've been, some people have told me that he's not a take for Georgia. Others have said they think he is a take for Georgia. Georgia gets him last. We'll know that weekend if he's a take for Georgia or not. And I just feel like Notre Dame is a school he likes a lot, but I've always felt like Georgia, Notre Dame was always sort of the, for him, the consolation. Prize. That's hundred percent my read. He's never said that to anybody. It's just been my read that Notre Dame's a bit of the consolation prize, a little bit with him. Now, sometimes, look, Notre Dame's landed some. and I'm not going to say who, but Notre Dame has landed some constellation prizes where they were his constellation prize, and those guys end up being really good players.
3: Mm-hmm. So,
1: once a kid commits, he he tends to buy in, right? But it just may not mean that's ultimately where he wanted to go at the beginning of the process. So, uh, that's kind of why I'm not as if if though because by by June by June, Notre Ohio State's going to have a much better view of where they are with Noah Rogers and Brandon Ennis and guys like that, Cardinal Tate. George is going to have a much better sense of where they are with some of these guys. And that's going to determine where they push for Rico or not. Now I'll say this. I do feel like with what I know of Rico, if he does commit to Notre Dame, I won't be as concerned about him flipping as I would be with other kids who pick Notre Dame as a consolation prize. Cause I do think the value of the Notre Dame academics. And I think from what I know of Rico, I think the fact that Notre Dame was the school that definitely said, we want you and like you would mean a lot for him if they get to yeah. that point but yep. uh that's kind of where I'm at with
4: it he he, def, he definitely sees the value for what each school gives to him right like he's a very understanding kid to like notre dame gives you a lot that's not just quantified right. by football like he right. he gets that he does to get that uh ben swineford
1: said is notre dame taking a serious look at the img linebacker he's referring to jordan hall visiting with samuel and pemba or is he just more of a tag along for samuel's visit this is an official visit for jordan hall there's nothing tag along about an official visit like that if it was an unofficial visit i'd say yeah maybe but no notre dame is recruiting him the reality is is there are two line there are three linebackers on the board that notre dame likes a lot Jaden osbury samuel pemba and darren galette i think notre dame also realizes that that Samuel and Pemba could project at a lot of different places. I think when you combine that with – because at the beginning we said we're probably going to take three linebackers is what Nairn's probably going to do. Well, that was before Josh Burnham moved to defensive end. So I think they're a much better place now to take a fourth linebacker. And so Jaden Osbury, in my opinion, is the number one pure linebacker on the board. Samuel and Pemba is the number one athlete on the board. They want both of those guys. And then the next guy on the board that they love is Darren Gillette. Now they're recruiting Jordan Hall. They like Jordan Hall, but I think, in my opinion, he is more of a let's get him up, right? Let's see how he fits. Let's see if he likes it. Let's size him up. You know, Al Gold was at IMG yesterday, so I think that was part of the process. It was seeing him Pemba, but also sizing Jordan Hall up. So, but so Notre, I wouldn't say Notre Dame likes him as much as those other players because I think that they're still in, they're earlier in the process with him than they are other players. Because sometimes you may – another guy may be prioritized higher on your board more so because you just have a longer period of evaluation with him than you do another player. Jordan got an offer late. The evaluation has come late. I just don't think they're at the same stage with him. But from what I'm told, he's also taken a jump this spring as a player. I liked his junior film, Ryan. It was solid. He was like a top 250 kind of linebacker for me. I've seen a few spring clips from some workouts and some different things where – his athleticism is popping more for me than it did In as a here. junior. And so I'm really curious to kind of see how Notre Dame – because IMG sort of had like their spring game yesterday. It's actually an inner squad scrimmage because no one will play them. And an inner squad scrimmage is – IMG players is still probably better than a scrimmaging anybody just about anybody else. I'm really uh, curious to see uh, – Bishop got, Sycamore. Yeah, Bishop exactly. Sycamore. Smitty was down there yesterday there. He sent me a bunch of clips of Impemba. I'm going to get with him about some Jordan Hall stuff, but Al Golden was there evaluating mm-hmm. those guys. So I think if you start hearing more and more about Jordan Hall and Notre Dame, it's, it's going to be because Al Golden got down there and got to see things that they haven't seen from him that they've seen from others because of the length of the process. So uh, that's a long way of answering Ryan. Uh, he's not mm-hmm. a tag along
4: for Samuel Pemba. He's no. a legitimate
1: target for them in my opinion. No.
4: He is. I'm, I'm interested to see what he looks like as a senior, though, to your point, Brian, because I that was one hesitation I had with him as I thought he was a good player, but the fact of the matter is is that you have Preston Zipters, who's pretty much a pure Mike in, in this recruiting class, right? And I, I just kind of see Jordan Hall as that guy unless his athleticism is taking a big step forward, you know?
1: Your audio and Mike just took a little bit of a... Nose dive there at the end of your of that question so we'll see Can if you that hear me now better. Yeah, is, it's is better. better it's better now yeah,
4: yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I was just saying that I, the hesitation i have for jordan hall when the first when the offer first came was that they already had Preston. that well now they have preston zinter that is a pure mic in this recruiting class and i just kind of see jordan hall as a mic as well so if he takes a big step athletically Maybe he could be a Mike Will type of dude, but right now it just seems like he's a little bit similar to where Preston interfits fits into the defense for me.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one. I and, and I I gotta say, I do, I do really like. I do really like him. And Pemba's such an intriguing player. Brian sent me some videos yesterday of him and he's so long and twitchy. He's still evolving as a player. But there was one, like there's a couple of snaps like I sent where he just runs right into the guy and just kind of pushes the guy back. And it's like, eh, it's not really impressive. He's just big and strong and athletic. But then the next clip he sends me, he comes off the edge, he does like a little dip and then just explodes past the guy. And you're like, okay, wow, that guy's got some that guy's got some serious ability. So there's a lot of talent there. To work with, there's no question about that. Uh, Tom Creepy asks, is Daya McCullough a possibility for Notre Dame? As of right now, Tom, I don't believe that that that's the case. As of right now, things can always change, but as of right now, I don't I don't think that that's. I think this is about Daya finding the right school for him, and not so much, um, you know, is is uh, his his. You know, his his recruitment is, I think, was before was about playing for his dad. Now I think it's about Dea finding the right place for him. And, you know, maybe down the road that leads to Notre Dame, but I think right now it's it's more about just, you know, finding, finding the right thing and opening things up for him, in my opinion. Blaine Tiller asks, what does Scott Frost need to do at Nebraska to not get left at the tarmac at the end of the season? That's a great question. It, they are such a strange team last year, Blaine, because, and we've talked about this, I'm gonna pull up their numbers from last year because it was really insane. They lost nine games they they went three and nine last year, which is a horrible record. but their biggest margin of defeat was nine points to Ohio State in a game where they had a they had the ball in the fourth quarter with a with a possession It wasn't late in the game, but it was early in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter. it was early in the fourth quarter. it wasn't late in the fourth quarter where if they score, they take a lead. Over Ohio State and then they didn't score and Ohio State went down and, and scored scored to, to kind of pull it away as a nine-point win but you look at Nebraska last year they outscored their opponents by 63 points I believe if my math is correctly you don't see teams go three and nine and outscore their opponents by that many points for example Northwestern had the same exact record Northwestern scored 199 points and they gave up 358 they were outscored by again I'm hoping my math is correct here. But 149 points. Whereas Nebraska outscored opponents. Illinois that year was five and seven last year. A better record than Nebraska. They only out, they they were outscored by their opponents by 21 points. If you look at other similar teams in the league, Rutgers went five and eight last year, made a bowl game. They were outscored by 79 points. Again, I'm hoping my math is correct. Maryland went seven and six. They were outscored by 18 points. I mean, so, so you're looking at this and you're like Michigan state went 11 and two last year, they outscored their opponents by 71 plus four to 85 points. Nebraska went three and nine and outscored their opponents by 63 points, right? Cause they had a couple blowouts. The point being they had a chance to win almost every game they played last year. So I think that got him a bit of a reprieve and got him another year. So what does he have to do this year? I think he has to come close to flipping that. I don't know if nine and three is a definite, but he's got to win at least eight games. He's either got to go eight and four with a bowl victory or nine and three. And and because you look at their schedule, they got a lot of winnable games, Ryan. They play Northwestern and Ireland start the year off. Northwestern stinks. They should win that game. Then they come home. They play North Dakota and Georgia Southern at home. You've got to win those games. It, what the first thing you can do to like to not get left of the tarmac if he loses to north to, to one of those two teams he's i, I mean i think you almost got to fire him at that point in time then they've got oklahoma at home you've got to you, you know maybe they win it at least it's got to be competitive bye week indiana at home you've got to at least be four and one to start the season and if you can be at least four and one you've got a chance to be a decent team they play at rutgers and at purdue next and they have another bye week because they they're playing in that week zero in Nate in, in Ireland. They're playing on August 27th in Ireland. So they have a second bye. Then you have Illinois at home, Minnesota at home. And then the season ends hard. It's at Michigan home against Wisconsin at Iowa. They almost beat every single one of those teams last year. So to me, th- that's a minimum eight-and-four schedule right there. And if you can't go eight and four against that schedule, then you're just not the guy. And so eight and four with a bowl win, I think keeps him employed. Nine and three in the regular season, I think keeps him employed regardless of what happens in the bowl game, unless the bowl game is just some travesty where they just get obliterated by Memphis or UCF or something, right? Like, but the other big thing is he's got to stop being an idiot off away from the field. That's his big thing. Like, you can't lose and act like and do dumb things. And so he's got to clean up his own act, but then he's gotta he's gotta almost flip that record right. I don't know what your thoughts are on on uh on that subject.
4: Yeah, I mean I'm surprised Scott Frost still has his job to be honest with you. <laughs> I know you mentioned, you know, he lost a lot of close games, so you can always make the argument of play here or play there and record is looks much different i get that were you were you a fan of scott frost when he was hired by nebraska yeah, i know I he did a really hire. good job yeah i thought that was a great hire like i
1: thought it would take him a little bit more time you know i mean he did go like Owen oh, something his first year at ucf and eventually built them up but i i thought it was gonna be a great i mean he gets nebraska and all that kind of stuff and i think if he wasn't an idiot his his team has a lack of discipline and if you know anything about what we're talking about because i i'm not going to air that dirty laundry publicly but if you know what we're talking about you'd say, well, no wonder his team lacks discipline because he lacks discipline as a person and everybody knows it. And so you can't act like an idiot as a head coach and then all of a sudden think your team is going to be disciplined because they have literally fumbled away so many games the last couple of years. They should have won. And you're like, because they play just like how he lives. You know, like, so if he can get his head out of his, you know what, I think he can win there i do i think nebraska is one of those places where i actually do like the idea of an alum being the head coach there in most places mm-hmm. i don't feel that way but i think that's such a unique place if you're going to win there you almost need someone who truly understands what made them good for 60 years you know and the in the, the the walk-on program and and all those type of things i think has to be part of that so i i thought it was a great hire ryan i he just yeah. he hasn't held up his end of the bargain i don't blame the people that hired him i blame him for not Acting like a grown-up, in my opinion, uh, since he's been there, I don't know if you agree with that or not. Well, I, I
4: think, I think players still want to go play for Nebraska, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's, it's not like to the degree of a Notre Dame, obviously, like the, the tradition. But I mean, there's a great tradition behind Nebraska football, still. Right. You know, the, I mean, Tom Osborne and and all the great players that have come through there in the '90s, and so I, I still think that it's possible to win there. There just seems to be something missing with Coach Frost right now with him. And maybe it's the, like you said, the maturity factor, the stuff to off the field. I don't know what it is, but I mean they, they were in a lot of football games last year. You could easily make the argument that they should have been a much better team than they were on paper. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I I don't know what to expect from them because I mean Adrian Martinez had a lot of flaws, right? Like he was a very flaw driven quarterback, but now, I mean, who's the starting quarterback now that he transferred to Kansas state? Like, I don't know who their right. starting quarterback See, they're gonna is. They're going to be
1: Casey Thompson or the Purdy kid from the transfer from Florida state. I believe uh, Casey Thompson from Texas. And then uh,
4: Chubba Purdy, I, Chubba Purdy
1: are the two kids yeah. that transferred there. So I imagine gotcha. and I, from what I've read, I think, I think Casey Thompson has the edge, mm-hmm. but here's the thing to your point though, Rand, They don't need Casey Thompson to play like Eric Crouch. They just need him to not, I don't know another way to say this. It's not but stop pissing away games. Yeah. And that's what Adrian Martinez did. He would just and then but I put that back on Scott Frost because Adrian Martinez progressively got worse over four years. You know, I mean, that's the thing is like you, that's you. That's on you. You kept throwing him out there, and and you know, he was as undisciplined as a player as you were as a as a person and as a coach. And so, you know, their quarterback position should at least be okay yeah. this year.
4: I thought I thought Martinez, after his freshman year, I thought he was going to be the real deal in a couple years, uh-huh. man. He looked like he uh-huh. was really promising, but it's kind of like that program, man. You see a glimpse, yep. and then it just kind of goes yep. backwards a little bit. One step yep. forward, two steps back type of thing. But, I mean, I hope for the best. It's like one of those things, though, Brian, for me. it's. I mean, We talked about it all the time. I think college football is better when Nebraska is good at football. So I I'm going to be hoping that they're good. We're going to have a show on
1: that this summer, Ryan, because I think that's a great conversation, and I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think they're better. I think college football is better when Nebraska is good and in the big twelve. Just saying. I'm just saying.